0: Reopening your restaurant comes with great responsibility. Are you doing everything you can to keep your staff and guests safe? With Trust20 certification, you and your guests can feel confident you're doing everything you can to keep everyone safe. Trust20 is home to the new standard of restaurant safety and consumer comfort. By becoming a Trust20 certified restaurant, diners will know the practices you follow to create a safe and healthy environment. Have confidence you're going above and beyond minimal requirements have comfort knowing your practices have been independently verified to learn more visit trust20.co that's trust the number 20.co trust20 restaurants have access to a suite of resources that include expert-led training in four key areas individual consultants communication material and signage visit trust20.co and tell them you heard about them on Nashville restaurant radio trust20 partnering with you to keep everyone safe
1: Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now, here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hello,
0: Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. I hope that you had a wonderful Labor Day weekend. And hope that you got to celebrate with people that you love, or just like to hang out with, at a socially distant way. Uh, Hope that you are safe and um, welcome back. Welcome back to work. Welcome back to a new week. Today, our guest is going to be Hal Holdbeach, who is the chef and owner at the Lachlan Table. But he is so much more than just a chef and owner of Lachlan Table. He's a dad. He's a husband. And he is a community giver. He's a guy that just does everything he possibly can for everybody. He's just, his spirit of service is amazing. And we just love him. This interview, we go for about an hour, and I have to almost cut him off because we could just talk forever. And um, I just love um, people who have such a charitable heart who want to give back with uh, their blessings. So, very cool interview today. And I hope that you enjoy it. I'd like to talk to you real quick about Trust Twenty. These guys, I hopefully you've called them. If you have called them and you've got um, certification upcoming, I'd love to know how that process went. They have been such an amazing partner with us, and um, they've been real successful here in Nashville. Lots of people wanting to get certified, wanting to know what they can do to proactively be safe for their guests and their staff, and um, guests are asking for it. If you're out there going in a restaurant check to make sure these people are trust 20 certified. It's a great thing to do. Uh, spring mountain farms. Chicken is a great sponsor for the show. Join the flock. If you would go to their website at SpringerMountainFarms.com. you can enter your email address and they will send you a weekly email with recipes, farm updates, podcast updates, all kinds of updates that are happening in the springer mountain farms, chicken world. And, um, we appreciate you supporting them as they support us and they support you, the independent restaurant tour here in Nashville, Tennessee. So we've got a new video out, our, um, our video of barbecue chefs reading bad reviews, restaurant owners reading bad reviews. It's on our YouTube page. Go check it out. Click that subscribe button so that you get all the videos when they come out, as they come out. Uh, if you like this podcast, please give us five stars. Also, click the subscribe button so you're the first one to get this episode right when it gets released because I release them sometimes at odd times for the subscribers to see when they come out. And um, we just appreciate everybody out there. This we have one more show. We have a show tomorrow with Jensen Cummings. He's the host of. Um, The best served podcast and this guy is brilliant and if you're anybody in the restaurant industry, you're going to want to hear this episode also and then we're going to take a two week break from interview shows. We will still be doing the roundup, but we're going to revamp some of the stuff we do here. Um, We're just going to upgrade everything we possibly can to ensure that you have the best listening experience. And we appreciate you all every single day. So let's jump into this episode. It already starts. Hal and I are just talking and I just hit record and we just jump right into the episode. So I hope that you enjoy it. Thank you all for listening.
1: One of the lucky ones that gets to do what he loves.
0: Which is like the greatest thing in the
1: world, right? Yeah. And that is really cooking. Managing is a different story. We could talk about that in a different way. But cooking, you know, my chef from the Greenbrier always told me, cooking is the easiest part of your job and he's my biggest mentor and the day he told me that I was confused because at that point in time in my life cooking was the only part of my job. You know. But then as I became a manager, I understood the statement better. Like if all I had to do was show up at work and, and dice onions and, you know, make gravy, that wouldn't be so bad. But it's it's everything else, you know, managing everything else that falls under the restaurant, from the staff to the orders, you know. That's where things can get complicated, you know. Cooking is fun, and, and to somebody who loves it, it, it comes easy. But uh, those are great days when all you have to do is cook, you know. <laughs> so, how Holden
0: Beach? Welcome to National Restaurant Radio. I'm going to use that what you just sure. now said as kind of a um, opening to this podcast because we're just talking. I hit record, and um, I want everybody just to kind of know about. You so
1: welcome to the show man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming to Lochland Table on a Thursday morning.
0: This is the uh I love every time I get to come here, it just makes me happy. I love the feeling and inside of here. You got just it. a cool vibe, everything is great. This is your third appearance on Nashville Restaurant Radio. And it is the uh it is the first time that I get to actually sit with you without a time limit and just go.
1: Yeah. And just talk. In, in person.
0: In person, not over the phone, there's rare live interviews. Um, so let's get back in what you were just now saying. You were okay. just now saying that when you just get to cook, that's the best. Because do you, Is it because, and I've talked about this a lot with really creative people, because when you have to create every single day, when you have to manage, when you have to do all of these things that are intrinsical, you have to kind of lead. It's not easy, and it never stops. But when you get to cook, you, there's something you can kind of just do and when you're done, you see a finished product and you go, I did that. And there's a satisfaction in knowing I just have to do these things. It's almost like it's a stream of consciousness that ends. There's a, there's a beginning point and then there's an end point. Is that part of it?
1: Well, and you get it daily too. So you get to feed that daily and those you know immediate rewards are you know a, a cool part of the job. Um, and also meeting your own vision. Like whenever I start something, I obviously have it all in my head and I have a thought, and I have a and vision. And when I get to the end, if my visions are close, then you know I'm, I'm usually satisfied. Um, you know, a, a nice example would be, uh, today we're currently working on making lunch for the employees over at the Nashville Food Project.
0: Nice.
1: Um, I believe they're pretty busy over there, and because of COVID, they're not able to have the number of volunteers as usual and we've heard that they're having trouble maybe feeding themselves because they're so busy feeding others. So I think some restaurants have kind of hopped on board to specifically cook for the staff over there. So I reached out to our friends at Porter Road Butcher and they were kind and shared some pork shanks and I wanted to make like a gravy for pasta. So I I reached out to Nicoletto's and and they're sending over some fresh pasta today. I'll finish the ragu today and then bring it together with the pasta tomorrow. But, you know, the, the pork ragu was something that I've been thinking about for probably like four days now and you know, what my, what is my method going to be? What are my ingredients going to be? And then the barefoot farmer shows up with all these beautiful Roma tomatoes and I'm like, well, boom, I'm using those for my ragu instead of a canned product, you know? Um, and it all just kind of started falling into place with the fresh pasta and the pork shanks and the beautiful tomatoes. Um, I braised everything yesterday um, and I think after a little bit of reducing today, um, it's going to be right where we want it to be to where we'll finish it tomorrow morning uh, with some fresh kale and the pasta and a little bit of uh, pecorino cheese and uh, send it over there and and feed the, the good folks at the Nashville Food Project. But, you know, starting the ragu in the morning, and having it more or less done by four o'clock in the afternoon, and me and Jason, our sous chef, were tasting it, and you know talking about what's next: salt, vinegar, reduce a little bit more, um, and then ultimately get to a product that you know we're happy with, and you know we'll be excited to share tomorrow and I hope to have a little bit left for the Lachlan Table Kitchen staff as well as they begin showing up to work tomorrow around noon, and we send this out to the food project, um, and we all get to start Friday with uh, some tasty pasta.
0: So I'm blown away by that entire story. (laughs) Everything about that encapsulates who you are. I mean, it really does. That entire story is The how that is in my brain when I think about you, that story is exactly, and I want to get into that in just a minute, but I want to start, I want to ask you a question I don't ask many people. You said the pork ragu you had four days ago was in your brain, and that it has been marinating for four days. How does that thought enter your brain? Did you learn about the Nashville Food Project, and you wanted to help them, and then you started thinking of a dish for them, or did you see something, try something, and then all of a sudden this dish popped in your head and you've been thinking about a dish and then the opportunity came up and you went, this is the dish I want to share for them. How does that process work with you?
1: Well, it might even be a little your fault because after watching the interview with Patrick Martin, I went to Netflix to watch my first uh, episode of... uh, Masterclass? No. Oh, uh, the... Abstract.
0: Abstract, yes.
1: So I'm getting on Netflix to check out this abstract show that I've never even heard of and as I'm trying to find it um, I pass over Chef's Table I believe it was Chef's Table and for some reason I never got to Abstract and I started watching an <laughs> old episode of Chef's Table but I went on a Netflix seriously to watch Abstract and I watched the Nancy uh, Silverstone is that her last name said correctly um, out in L.A the chef's table. And um, I'm also really enjoy uh, Lydia Bastanovich, if I'm saying her name correctly, on PBS on the weekends. And I eventually just get really swallowed into certain, um, you know, genres at times. And it's easy to love and appreciate and study Italian cooking, because I think it just meets so much of who I want to be as a chef. From being simple, um, using things for what they are and not manipulating them. Um, Whole vegetable roast in like wood burning ovens um, with maybe just the addition of salt, pepper and a good olive oil and a nice vinegar. Um, Allowing things to be what they are. Um, We're also doing a St. Jude dinner coming up here in about three weeks. So I'm currently also writing that menu and I'm also leaning very heavy uh, towards the Italian side of things on that menu. Um, the homeowner also said that they enjoy Italian food. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking, you know, pasta there as well. Um, but I've always loved making ragus and, and gravies. You know, when you braise the meats, the tougher meats with, you know, the stock, the vegetables, the tomato, you um, You know the fat the marrow goes into the what becomes the sauce Um, pull the meat out you know zap the vegetables the stock the tomatoes into what becomes the red sauce Um, and then pick the meat and pull the meat and add the meat back into it you know making it a gravy and then eventually tossing that with the pasta the kale finishing with some cheese you know should be a very nice dish things are cooling down a little bit we can get away with you know smaller portions of heartier your foods these days yeah. um, and I always tend to also lean towards pasta um, when it comes to food traveling um, or when we're cooking for a lot of people like I could make gravy for 20 people or 40 people just as easy as I could for 10 people you know just more product um, so i think it's convenient when you're feeding a fair amount of people um to go the route of pasta i think it's also very neutral people love pasta um so i just chose to 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 do this ragu and um you know the things i'm thinking about like am i using stock am i using tomato like what is everything i'm going to use in the braise um so you know i'm just always playing with those things and enjoying
0: that but you hearing like watching you this is the one thing about being live with somebody is I can we can have this conversation over the computer it's, it's great but looking at you you get an, like when you talk about food just when you just go you you just go like a stream of consciousness you start talking like
1: a movie you know? I
0: can see it I can see your brain working and it's like all of this stuff is just like happening it's going through your brain but you have a passion for it and kind of what you're talking about we starting the show is that when You're you're passionate about food. You love to create food. But then there's a business side that intersects with that. I imagine that's a challenge for you. I bet you cook at home, don't you? I do. Because a lot of chefs that you talk to, like, oh, I cook all the time at work. And when I get home, I just don't want to cook. But, like, that's not you. I can imagine you're the guy when you get home, you're like, hell no. Like, This is the part of cooking that I want to do all the time. I imagine when you have to cook... And it's a food cost and you're looking at cogs and negotiating deal. Like that's the part you probably don't like as much. Am I? Uh,
1: I don't know. Or you have to find balance for it? I like numbers and I like math. Um, And, you know, I am interested in being a business owner that tries to make money. Of course. Um, So food costs, I've always had a lot of pride in that. Um, And during these times, I'm even more interested in You know maybe margins more so than usual like what can we do that cost us less but makes us a good margin so like our sous chef Jason is good at making gnocchis and he enjoys it potatoes are cheap let's make gnocchis yeah and then do something fun with a a condiment or a sauce um you know we uh we still have a bit of a limited menu um since the tornado and COVID and and the reopening, our menu's not as big as it it was, um, but we're starting to add things back on. We recently brought our pig ears back. um, Famous pig ears. We love and, um, you know, I recently reached out to Karen at Wedge Oak Farms and asked her what her situation was with chicken liver. Like, do you have them? If so, you know, I think we're ready to, you know, start doing those again. and the thing about the chicken liver pate is that we have cream, we have thyme, we have bacon, we have onions. Um, so we have everything here at the restaurant except for the livers. So we spend a small amount of money on livers and then make, you know, 40 orders. I can spend $40 to make $400. Yeah. So I'm thinking like that too. Like, you know, how, and I don't want to, you know, Obviously, we're not going to cheat people, but sometimes in in food, you pay for the ingredients. Other times in food, you pay for labor. You know, so those gnocchi that took four hours to make, you know, might be a lower food cost, but we're paying somebody more time to make them. So, you know, there's the money there. Uh, But currently, we have the labor. Yeah. We don't have the extra money. So let's use our skill, use our time produce things like pork shanks that are cheaper and take longer to cook, but we know how to do that. Um, you know, making gnocchis, um, you know, just doing smart things like that. Um, because I am also thinking about the bottom line and money. And, you know, I always jokingly say like the old, you know, devil on the shoulder kind of thing, you know, there's the creative chef and there's the businessman. You know, and sometimes you create a dish merely off of desire. Like, I want to cook this particular dish, so I'm going to order the things in to do that. Other times, we're like, all right, let's tap the brakes, look around the kitchen, see what we have, and create something with what we have, primarily to turn things that we've already paid for. Sure. You know, to, to make the money aspect, you know, part of things work. So, but if you
0: could choose, like, like, for your you had your druthers like the thing that you could just do all the time cooking food is yes, your passion absolutely like you were saying just like the management piece of it is of course a necessity and you've got to be smart about it because you're a business owner and you want to can, you need to be profitable you want to keep the doors open right but really your focus seems like
1: I think about food all the time it's,
0: it's a big picture though. I mean like it's it's the community it's your it's almost like your, your true north is do the right thing do the right thing for the people and you've, you're constantly working with your community. Like, community is number one for you. And like, and I feel like you're that way, like, with your family. We were talking earlier. Uh, and I'll just get into your family life, um, how, how's your family doing? Throughout this whole thing, you got soccer starting soon. You're the soccer coach. How, how's everything happening, man?
1: Yeah, yeah. School's back in, and, and, and that's been new for us, and, and things are going well there. Um, I'm definitely having a little bit of a different schedule right now than um, – I did this time last year. Um,
0: Did you guys have like long arguments and conversations about what to do with school? Was that as hard for you as it was?
1: Yeah, I think about three weeks before school started, it was really kind of stressing me out. Yeah. Um, Obviously talking with other friends that are parents, and and then something happened in our community. um, A family that we know and respect um, got COVID. And they were following the rules. Um, they think that they got it from a commonplace. Not sure. But that's when I said to myself, you know, if, if it can happen to them, it can happen to anybody. Even people who are behaving um, could possibly, you know, get this. And, and that's when we decided full on to, to put coal in, in virtual learning for the first nine weeks. Give the school a chance to get used to the new Rules, and after nine weeks, if things are going well, um, then we'll more than likely, you know, get him back into school, you know, daily. Um, but also, like, we've been so serious here at Lachlan Table about how we can stay open and how we can take care of our staff and how we can take care of our family. And we have to do it at both places. We have to be smart at home and be smart at work. And, you know, never been the kind of manager that really gets too involved in our employees' um, life outside of work. But at the same time now, we, we do need to act a certain way and, and, and do certain things um, in order to protect this house. And, and then, you know, to protect our own house. You know, I can't get sick at home and bring that sickness to Lachlan Table or vice versa. It's a big responsibility. It's a big responsibility. I got to take care of the restaurant and my family. If my wife would get sick, that would put me at home as the main parent, not being able to work at all or as much. Um, So, really, for me to be able to do what I need to do, I need to stay healthy and um, obviously keep those around also healthy. Um, So, with all that in mind, you know, mathematically, we've had to you know, take the route that we feel is, you know, the safest.
0: What if, how do you articulate that to your staff? How do you, and I know that your staff, you guys are all very close, but like, how do you, how do you let them know this is a huge, your responsibility, what you do when you leave this building is as important right now as it is what you do inside this building. And you trust them to be respectful and responsible when they're not here, that they need to be safe.
1: And I think that, you know, we, we had lots of meetings in the beginning. We talked a lot. Um, I think now we've all been doing this long enough to where, you know, whatever you've been doing is working because none of us have gotten sick. So, you know, we, we know how to go to the grocery store. We know how to pump gas. We know how to wear a mask when we're inside. Um, you know, we know how to not uh, do large gatherings um you know even when a member of our staff now travels outside of the state for whatever reason um they get tested when they come back before they come back to work um we all got tested as a team before we reopened you know we were one hundred percent that when we reopened everybody that worked here test was negative wow um which was smart you know because when somebody does test positive which is going to more than likely happen. Um it's 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 quite a situation because you know you gotta close down, you gotta get everybody tested, you lose one to three days of revenue, you know, you reopen. Um so obviously to keep things going, we would prefer to not have to close down. Of course. But if somebody gets sick we have to follow a protocol, make sure we're taking care of everybody. We're not taking this home, we're not passing it to our guests. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of responsibility. um, But with the desire and the love that you have for your family and your staff, it's just something you have to do.
0: So there's no playbook on this. There's no, I joked on a couple episodes ago, I said, there's no book that says how to close your restaurant due to a forced quarantine and what to do when you reopen. Were these just ideas that you sit at home and you think about like, hey, we're going to have everybody come back. I'm going to get everybody. To, we're going to. These are the steps we're going to do And throughout the entire quarantine. You guys stayed open as a beacon to your community we did. and did food. And you like leadership throughout this has been very imperative. You know, we and, well, I just think that you guys have been a, a perfect example of what a restaurant should do during this time. Now, it's not what you set out to be, but I imagine there's a bunch of other restaurants out there that followed your lead because you did the right thing. <coughs> Where does that
1: come from? Um, I think in the beginning, like we reopened after the tornado on a Thursday. Today is six months from that day. Today is the anniversary of the tornado. Um, I was just saying before y'all got here with Jamie, our pastry chef, you know i relived yesterday and today yesterday and today at home you know just remembering what happened the monday during service the night of the tornado and then how that went into tuesday morning and then obviously the the loss of power everything that happened the week that we did not have power and then we reopened on a thursday and then the following tuesday we shut down inside dining that following friday it was mandatory to shut down inside dining and we immediately went into a to-go program with our menu we were just doing our menu to go so after you did that thursday friday saturday I was like all right like the thing about the beginning of the quarantine was that everything was changing so much so fast we were having to change thoughts and procedures almost daily sometimes. Um, you know, gathering information, changing. I can remember at one point in time, just like my head almost starting to hurt from the amount of thinking and uh, decision-making that was necessary. Um, and obviously, we're on the phone with each other, you know, me, Karen, Floyd. Um Discussing things, you know, not one person really says, hey, this is what we're doing. Um, You know, we have ideas, we agree, and we move forward, you know. Um, But back into the to-go program and the quarantine, when we eventually kind of settled on doing family-style to-go food and not doing an a la carte menu, I can't have four people here every night, you know, cooking for maybe 10 people, maybe 50 people. Who knows? You know, we don't know. It just mathematically didn't make sense financially. So, you know, eventually we said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We had some appetizers. We always had the pizza station open. The pizza station was the only station that was live. Like every night during the quarantine, when you ordered a pizza, obviously it got made fresh when you ordered it. And then like the empanadas, the, the yeast rolls, um, the chicken wings that we do during community hour, all that stuff we prepared and packaged in order for you to take home and reheat. And that allowed us to limit the amount of people that were cooking in the kitchen at one time. So we had like two people working from like six in the morning to one in the afternoon. And then two other people working, or actually three other people working from like one in the afternoon to like seven or eight. And that allowed us to social distance in the kitchen and, um, you know, have an AM crew, a PM crew. Uh, Jason and myself were really the only two that would work, you know, both shifts. Um, And, you know, back into like cooking, um, I really became a cook during that time. Like Jason and I would kind of share family meals And then we would all kind of attack the prep. Um, And, you know, everything was was different. Like on Sundays, I would sit in my garage for maybe an hour or more with pad and pen. And and Jason and I would come up with the week's menu so that then we could order and get everything here to produce what we were going to do for the week. And we're, you know, no rules here. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. Um, as far as the family meal goes. Whatever protein, whatever vegetables. Um, So, you know, we were doing things that we just thought people would like.
0: How important was it for you to continue to support local um, producers? You know, you've got people in in a pandemic where you have, you know, I know Nathan Gifford, you know, who's over here making bacon. He's got this huge order for what's going to be happening, and then all of a sudden everything's supposed to close, and sorry, we don't need this bacon and, you know, supporting local purveyors and producers of products is so important. How important was that throughout this to you?
1: It was very important. And sometimes you just wish you could do more. Yeah. And and I wish I needed more, you know, so that I could buy more. Um, You know, kind of luckily, the time of year of the quarantine, as far as local farming goes, There wasn't really a whole lot going on. There was some. And and we were getting um, some of what White Squirrel Farms was harvesting brought in. And and we would obviously use that on the menu. We were doing a daily uh, roasted vegetable as an option on the menu uh, during the quarantine. Um, And as our farmer Chris said to me one time, that has been uh, published in an article here recently, he said, you know how these are the... Nutrients that people are going to want to strengthen their immune system in this these beautiful vegetables that have been grown in this you know beautiful biology um, that actually have good strong nutrients, um, not just some mass-produced vegetable in some dirt with no nutrients. Um, so that kind of fed into everything for me. I was like, all right, well, let's focus on that then. And and let's, you know, make sure people are eating their vegetables. And, um, you know, during quarantine, how did you eat? Like, did you stay focused on kind of trying to stay healthy? Or were you kind of here and there or a little bit of everything? Um, But important for mental and physical health, obviously, um, to care about your diet a little bit. Well, I've,
0: I've referenced you. And many a podcast, because I think that uh, when people talk about vegetables and just food, I go, I don't know what Hal does, but his vegetables. When every time that you eat his vegetables, are the best damn (laughs) taste, and they're not. It's not like they're drowning in something. They're very. It's almost like it's a simple vegetable, but the flavor of Hal's vegetables are better than anybody else in the city. I've never had vegetables like that. I don't know what he does to them, but his flavors are just so damn good, and that's a good. Explanation. I have You've...
1: a I have a couple of restaurants that I think do vegetables better than most. Um, Who are they? Well, I think uh, Raw and Daughters has always done you know, and now Folk. they the, what they do with vegetables is pretty impressive. Um, yes, I love the uh, Butcher and Bee. They do the cacio peppy pepe turnips, I believe, super awesome and delicious. Um, but when it comes to the vegetables and and the quality and the taste. Um, we used to do the walking tour on Thursdays and I would talk to people about that, but you know, I would say in any recipe, you know, first thing is sourcing, where are you getting your food from and, and how is it being, uh, produced and what is it eating? Um, you know, those kind of things. Um, then I think number two, it's the wood burning oven. Um, I love the wood burning oven. I love cooking with fire. Uh, we have a beautiful smoker out back that uh, the peg leg porker uh, designed and it was built here in town by falcon Um, i really enjoy cooking with wood and fire Um, but that pizza oven gets so hot you know we'll get that fired up around noon Um, we'll have all the vegetables loved up really in just some oil and salt and maybe pepper depending on what dish it's for Um, and when the pizza oven gets to temp you know, we'll put them in there and and char them and let them cool. And then, you know, during service, it might be finished in a saute pan, but it starts in the pizza oven during service, or I'm Ah. sorry, before service. And in the pizza oven, it's so hot that it sucks that water out of the vegetable. So it's evaporating that water out of the vegetable. And when you take water out of anything, you increase flavor. So like dry aged beef, less water, you've You've, you've let it evaporate so that beef flavor becomes a little more dense, yeah. you know, a better product, which is gonna cost you more, but worth the money. Um, same thing in there. So like maybe at home, your 450 degree oven is taking 2% of the water out of the vegetable when you roast it. You know, maybe here in this higher heat, it's taking 10% of the water and I'm just making these numbers up <laughs> just to help you understand that as at intense heat is going to evaporate that water from the vegetable and just make it that much of a better flavor. So I think the oven and the fact that White Squirrel Farms are just growing, you know, phenomenal products is what helps us get to the table in such a delicious way. And simple is, you know, do simple better. Like one of my favorite hashtags, um, back to Italian cooking, like earth table, simple means, you know, simple preparation, but wonderful final Products.
0: That's, you couldn't have said it better. That's exactly exactly what I was referencing. So, cooking with fire. You put a post on Facebook last week, and you've got the coolest grill. And I was like, dude, where do you where do you get this grill? I want one uh, because I'm I have like a fire pit in my backyard that I have like bonfires in, and uh, I've talked to Nick Gidry over at Pelican and Pig, and his I think his Instagram handle is
1: Cooks with Fire. Cooks
0: with Fire. You know he that's what he does and he's got a really cool grill inside the pelican and pig mm-hmm. but you you've got this is it an argentinian
1: I, I refer to it as an argentinian style and i'm not sure if i'm 100 percent correct when i say that but it, it's the grill system with the pulley system on it um it's nice to be able to you know raise your food up off the fire and tend to the fire if you need to do that um You know, back in the day, like you have to take the grate off and, you know, refill it and get the grate back on and you drop your food, you know, in the yard. And, you know, that's kind of a hard way to to refeed the grill if you're doing like something that takes a long time. Um, But I love the live fire aspect of cooking. I I love the human element. Um, When I build a fire in the driveway, my boys are usually outside with me. Um, They enjoy helping um, Cole loves to like get a stick and like poke at the fire. I,
0: I, so it's not just my kids.
1: Yeah, it's yeah your kids yeah. too. And like maybe like in downtime, we're tossing the frisbee or throwing the football or shooting some hoops. Because when I build a fire, you know it takes a good forty-five minutes to, you know, get the fire base where I need it to then actually start cooking. So you know you got to get going on this at least an hour before you want to actually put the product on heat. So it's like an Um, event. It's not just... It's a Sunday evening. It's not
0: soulless going outside, turning on a gas grill and putting food on it. It's a kids come outside, we're going to start the fire. You have to kind of manage it. I love that. Yeah,
1: and I'll always cook too much on a Sunday when I build a fire. (laughs) Because then, you know, I'm usually working Monday and Wednesday. So if there's some extra protein already grilled off... Um, and I know that I'm working into the night one of those days, then that just helps my wife have something to refer to for a, a meal um, while I'm working. So I'm helping when I'm, you know, not at home, Yeah. you know. Um, plus, you're building a fire. So cook on it, you know. Don't just put a burger on it. Like, you've spent all this time to build this fire. Like, grill some vegetables, you know. Maybe even if you're not going to use it today, grill you – know, th- like thick cut some onions and, and grill them And then, you know, use them in a day or two For, you know, a, a meatloaf or, or whatever, you know But it, it just it's fun and, and it offers, you know, potential use Elsewhere Yeah, no, 100% man But the back to the live fire real quick I do want to say this Like, like let's say you've got some burgers Right on top of the embers And you got a flare up and a fire starts Turn that wheel, get them up off the fire Now you're not burning your product anymore let the flare-up die down. Then you can bring your burgers back down. You know, that's how you control your product, control the fire. Um, and then also, if you're cooking something that needs not direct heat, like some sausages, let's say, and we don't want to bust the skin, we can go way up high. And yeah. I've got a I've got a dome lid that I can put over the product. So now we're like you know Heats. 18 inches off of the fire. But as that heat comes up, and as that smoke comes up it's getting caught in the dome. So now we're kind of grilling and smoking at the same time. You know, people want to debate about the two, like, oh, I like to grill, I like to smoke. Well, they're both great. And they're both great at different times. But live fire cooking gives you, I feel like both in one. And both those flavors in the same process is just delicious. So you can smoke up high. You know, and get your smoke flavor, and then when you're ready to get that char on your product, Bring you can it drop it down, get that char, and you're done, and dinner's ready. You know, so I love that aspect of it too. Or we could start low and then go high. You know, either or. You know, so being in control of the heat, I think is, is key there, and and like in a lot of Argentinian homes, oh. in like cool Netflix shows that I've watched, you know, nobody eats more meat than Argentina. And when I say meat, I mean beef. Um, and, like, homes are built with these pulley system grills, you know, attached to them or, or like, on a back porch. Or it, it wouldn't be uncommon for you to buy a house in one of these drills to be part of it because on the weekends, that's what you do. You hang out with your family. You hang out with your friends. You, you cook some food. You drink some wine. You you play. You listen to music. Like, whatever you do, it's, it's always kind of based around you know, food, family, and friends. Which is, I
0: think, the thing that everybody in this world right now is missing. You know, I mean, I think that not having food, family, and friends on a regular basis, I mean, I think we're slowly getting back to that. Have you, do you feel like there's a new normal starting right now? Like, do you, we went to dinner, We went to Bastion weekend before last, and it was amazing, but we're on the way there, and I was like, this feels normal to me. Like, it feels normal. We're in a car, we're heading out to dinner but we have masks and hand sanitizer and all these things that we're ready to use. And I was like, I don't feel awkward about going out to eat. Like, I feel like this is just what we do now. Yeah. And it almost felt normal. And then I said to her, I said, I feel like there's going to be a day we don't have to wear a mask in Kroger and it's going to feel weird. Yeah. And are you well, getting there? Like what and, do you- and
1: maybe we're all just getting used to it, you know, cause I think it did take a while, you know, to get used to it. Um, like even when it was time to reopen and the city said we can reopen we still did not reopen for like at least a week um we had discussions with our staff and made sure that they were comfortable and they felt safe under the guidelines that we were going to you know produce and we even had a a soft reopening where we invited like friends and family and just to kind of practice one night You know, maybe what went wrong? Let's fix that before we reopen for everybody. Um, So I think the fact that we were patient was helpful. It gave us time to research. Um, Of course, like you know, at the same time, I'm kind of ready. Like, let's go. (laughs) You know, let's let's open. um, But we we had to be you know careful and um, you know the the fact that. We wear masks to supermarkets and in grocery stores. Um, has become a little more regular. Um, and I'm also, uh, you know, probably going to take my family out for a meal this weekend. Um, probably for the first time as a family um, since all this happened. And um, that's just more or less. We eat a lot at home. We cook a lot at home. In Kisses Springs, we don't have a lot of uh dining options um and, and we, of course we don't mind driving into nashville to eat um but you know i just cook a lot at home yeah you know and, and i enjoy cooking at home and um i like being at home but we also need to do our part and get out and and help and um you know support other restaurants who are also struggling um let our faces be seen out there um and not just expect people to come to us,
0: you know. Um, you've been a you've been kind of a leader in this community as far as chefs, restaurateurs here in town for a long time. And I've always seen you as somebody who's really been a mentor to a lot of chefs, a lot of people in your building. You care. You genuinely care about the people that work here. I just. You'll hear on a podcast Wednesday with Jensen Cummings, uh, we talk about what's happening in the landscape of employees and how really good restaurateurs care. They genuinely care about their employees. They pay them a good wage. And they they, they try and reduce the turnover by doing it right. Um, I worked at U.S. Foods with a guy named Nathan Wells, who worked with you for a long time. Just saw him the other day at East. We were eating at Eastside Bon Me, and he was over there having lunch. And oh I got yeah, to, he
1: said he enjoyed it.
0: Got to – oh, man, it was amazing. I've
1: been, been wanting to get over
0: there myself. Dude, the <laughs> best damn sandwiches I've ever had. But you just – you're one of those guys. Let's talk about that for a minute. Some of the people that you've had come through here, just kind of your sous chefs and just kind of the people. Yeah. Those, I want to just talk about that briefly.
1: Well, Nathan's one of my good friends in life. Um, and obviously Connected with Kara very well And their son, Grayson um, I think one of the things That, you know, helps us Is that, you know Me, Kara, and Floyd Are are people You know, we're people With families and um, Homes And um, we're not just You know, people With money in our back pocket Who thought it'd be cool to open a restaurant You know, um, you know, we grew up in this industry. I grew up in this industry. You know, I was working at a bakery in the ninth grade. Um, so I think being through the whole education part of learning how to cook in school and apprenticeships, um, getting yourself to a certain level of knowledge and ability obviously is important when it comes to cooking. but the fact that we're also people, like, I get the fact that maybe your kid is sick or, or your kid's got to go get a cavity or um, you have a pet. Any kind of issue that life may bring at you, we've probably also felt before. And, yeah, and we, can, we can understand sure. that these things happen. I got a doctor's appointment, but, you know, and, and so we work with people to... You know be able to have a life um, and not just you know be a person that you know pushes business out um, so I think that's important I think just being a person like you hear about restaurants where the owners you know are always barking or just want you to show up and work 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 um, we try to work with people and um, help you know And and, and when you help and that circle is forever, you know, rotating, um, it seems to work out well, you know, and like, what's that old saying, uh, don't take care of your guests, take care of your staff. And then your staff will take care of your guests. Um, you know, there's some truth there. Um, so always, you know, trying to be just kind and respectful, um, offer a, a safe workplace. Um. You know those things are definitely you know part of our culture for sure teaching you know helping Um, we've had many employees make lateral movements that you know you support you know but we are also blessed with staff and how long some of our staff has been with us and you know when you don't have a lot of turnover you can create a chemistry and, and, and just like anything you, you get to know people Like I know what you're about to do Because I've been working beside you For three years So I can predict your movements You can predict mine You know um, It just makes for You know A better a tighter um, cohesive team Well and, and a better possibility of, of success You know So Are you going to replicate this success? In terms of another restaurant? Um, you know, we were very interested in another building. I can't remember if it was two or three years ago. Um, we were definitely looking. And we found a building. We were looking? We were looking. Okay. Um, we found a spot. The day that we were scheduled to go visit it, a contract got put on it. So we were a little disappointed about that because it was a neat spot for a nice price. Um, Nowadays You know We're probably Thankful that That never happened You know Only having to take care Of one restaurant Right now Is Probably better Than taking care of two Um, I've also always Been concerned about You know Do we need to open Another restaurant Um, Do I personally Need to be part Of another restaurant Like I Sometimes I feel like I would like to Other times I feel like Lachlan table maybe is enough um, because it's offering everyone that works here you know, a a, a livable wage Um, and I personally would rather be I always say this jokingly I I would rather be at the Wednesday night t-ball game than getting called into my second restaurant to work the grill station because so and so is sick, you know um, I opened a restaurant to try to control some kind of balance in my life. Um, Working 80 hours a week for somebody else isn't gonna work as a family man. And that was my life, you know, before Lock the Table. Um, Opening Lock the Table, my goal was to get to a place of balance where I could be a chef and and a father and a husband and a son and a brother and a friend. Um, And not just work all the time and, and, you know, be a corpse on Sunday that just ate and slept. You know, to get ready for the next week. I don't
0: know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. So, and also, you know, my wife wouldn't put up with that. You know, my kids wouldn't know who I am. I'd just be the dude that, you know, walked through the house once in a while. Um, And that wasn't the life that I was looking for. So, you know, especially now with my kids being young, you know, four and eight, um, I feel like I want to be home and involved as much as possible.
0: 100%.
1: Now, when they get older... Not to say that they'll need me less, but, you know, you got school till 3, soccer practice till 5, homework till 7. like, their day will get a little more regimented, regimented to where, like, you know, me being home at 5 o'clock today maybe isn't as important. Or maybe it is because my wife's over here and I got to pick them up at soccer practice or whatever the schedule well, may be. to be able to be. have the option to do
0: that is is one of your – is a priority to you. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't want to be married – you're married to to Stacy, You're not, and you know your family. You're not married to six restaurants that you have to. That right. you know, right. you have one now that you put everything into, and you have balance.
1: So I do think, said for that. I do think that maybe in five or six years, if everything is going well and our kids are doing well, um, another project could be possible. Okay. And could be a fun, creative outlet. And it would never be a Lachlan table number two. It would be a completely different... I, could, I can't say completely different, but the theme and, and menu would, would be different. There may be one or two things that tie the two in together as you know, a brother and sister kind of situation. Um, but can, it would be different.
0: Can I selfishly make a recommendation? Sure. Um, in West Nashville, way West Nashville, in the Bellevue area... Way off in Bellevue, close to your house. You should put something over there. You You know,
1: we did look at that building on the corner of Old Hickory and Seventy. That used to be a a garage, and now I believe it's a Mexican restaurant. Oh, Mestizo's.
0: I know what you're talking about. Now Mestizo's restaurant.
1: We looked at that building and and liked it, Um, but there were some floodplain issues, and I won't say everything, but... uh, I got another spot for you to go check out. uh, that was one of the places during the time that we were looking that we actually did get in a car to and specifically go to and walk and talk to you know, the person who was in charge. Um, but then eventually, um, I think we found out a couple things and you know, backed out of it.
0: Well, I just I thought she wanted to come up with something close to my house so that I can you know, have- and I thought
1: s- that would be wonderful because I come to Lock and Table yeah! and on my way home, I hop off Old Hickory, I'm right there. I can check in on that place. Really easy. You know, finish my journey home, you know. <laughs>
0: Would be absolutely perfect. Um, what was my last question? we got to wrap up here. I know you've got a lot to do today, and uh, I'm so excited that you took the time today to talk to us um, yeah. before we go on our little bit of a break. We talked to Khalil Arnold, and he said, Mayor Cooper pretty much put a knife in our back with a 34% tax increase. And he said, I didn't know if he's going to make it. He said, I don't, you know, I think we're hearing all of these numbers from restaurants out there. There's, the, the, there's some astronomical number of restaurants that are about to close. I don't know if it's hearsay or what. I think depending what you read, the internet, it, the internet you can find that no restaurants are going to close or all restaurants are closed, depending what site you look on. How is Laughlin Table doing today? Are you guys doing okay? Are you going to make it?
1: Well, Asking me today, I'm I'm going to say yes. Uh, you know, we we have a p- plan. Um, we have a the next couple months thought of. Um, you know, we did do things to help us make it um, as we have so far. Uh, you know, we we've had to do some strategic things. Um, to make our numbers make sense because we are bleeding like everyone else sure. I, I liked what Patrick said in your last interview where I think we've all said it maybe just slightly different but you know breaking even is the new victory yeah you know I think like two weeks ago we made like fifty dollars and you know sadly we laughed and joked about that you know uh, but you didn't lose five thousand right
0: I mean which is the reality for a lot of people right now I've got I know a restaurant tour that every talking us. Dude, I'm losing $18,000 a month right now, and it's like, I don't know how many months you can lose $18,000 before you go, I can't lose $18,000 anymore. Right. And I mean, just to not, to stop that bleeding is kind of a victory.
1: Well, and, and you know, we know, we have concerns about when the weather changes to cold, and we lose our outdoor seating, because really, our outdoor seating has been so important um, you know, Kara has worked closely with uh, the local councilmen to uh, let us legally be able to use the sidewalk during service time. And I think now other restaurants are also going to get the opportunity to do that. Um, and it's necessary. Like, we need to do whatever we can do for these small businesses to have a chance to make it. And if that means offering two tops on a public sidewalk, then you know let's give them that opportunity.
0: Sure.
1: Um and not every restaurant may have outside opportunity. You know, we're we're a we're a rest a, a, a standalone building. So we have space around us to where we could do that. We have a patio. Um so so that's been great and that's been a blessing. Um but if if inside dining doesn't increase um to more than fifty percent um things are going to change come November and phase three, I don't really believe means much to us because you can't be at 75% and still social distance. So the mathematics there, doesn't necessarily help you at all. So it's like phase two or phase four, like phase three is, is, is not, I think phase three, maybe we get to uh, bring chairs back to the bar, um, which in our case gives us six more seats so you know that alone is a big deal you know we could turn those six seats three times a night you know that's 18 seats a night you know times six days in a week so you know every seat is going to matter and health it's a big deal um and maybe those six seats are what you know get us out of the, the bleeding zone and into the you know making a little bit of money zone um but it, it has like grown slightly tiresome um Like, I think three weeks ago, I was just kind of, not to say going through the motions, but just, you know, in the beginning of this, I I felt kind of high energy, energetic, you know, going to save the restaurant, save our staff, keep everybody working, feed the community. Um, It was kind of a buzz. Yeah. You know, and and I feel like the buzz is kind of worn off and... Not to say it's become a drag, um, but, you know, it's just so important to remember your blessings and like, you know, think about them every day. Find gratitude. Because that's going to help you when you start to feel like, you know what, man, of course we wish things were different, Um, but we're here, we're doing it, we've got a plan, we've got a good staff. You know, we've got strong ownership. Um, we've got a great community. Um, you know, we'll, we'll steady as she goes, you know, and then we'll see what tomorrow brings.
0: That's so well said, man. Thank you for, I know it's a, it's a grind every single day, and sometimes it can be thankless. And I think that I'd stand, from all the people that I've spoke to around town that need people like yourself who are leaders, who are leaders, who are doing the right thing. People feed off of your energy, and they feed off of what you're doing. So it's not going unnoticed. And every day, I know it can feel like that sometimes, but um, I certainly see it, and I just feel it all over. It's great. You're doing a hell of a job. What have we not talked about that you want to talk about? Is there anything yet coming up? Anything you want? Because I've kind of led all the conversation here. What? Anything uh, you want to talk
1: about? Well, no. We kind of talked about the Food Project launch, and you know, I'm excited to be doing a, a St. Jude dinner Here in about three weeks with my buddy Jason Doble, he's providing the wines um, and the home that spent a lot of money on buying this dinner to raise money for St. Jude. Um, They're being super cool and like they're gonna set up a table on the patio so that me and Jason can be inside in the kitchen and you know once again just practice the social distancing and you know keep everybody you know happy and. I personally enjoy doing work with St. Jude Um, try to do at least one to four things with them a year and this is always something that you know I offer and I really enjoy going to people's houses and doing small you know wine dinners because there again I get to write specific menus and um, like I reached out to our fish guy uh, like two days ago and I'm like you know I'm doing this cool wine dinner for 12 people And I'd like to do something a little more out of the box. Like, scallops are cool, shrimp's cool, but like what can I do to kind of turn myself on? Yeah. You know, what can I do to practice a technique or a method? Or or what can what product can I bring in that I haven't worked with much to become more knowledgeable, you know, to become a better chef? These are the things that I'll kind of focus on doing dinners like this. And, you know, I won't go into battle with a rifle I've never fired before because you don't want to get there and, and have your thoughts blow up and a whole course you can't serve. Um, I'll practice things here at least once before going somewhere to give myself the opportunity to make a mistake um, and to correct it before it's game time. Um, but I enjoy the process of, of building the menu and then you know, Jason builds the wines, and and then you know, prepping it here, traveling to the home, and ultimately having a, a super fun evening uh, with one of my good friends in life. You know, cooking good food for good people, and at the end of the day, you know, always promoting Lachlan Table. Sure. You know, every day, you know, anywhere I go, um, but then ultimately raising money for St Jude, and uh, you know, working with an outlet that helps families that truly need help you know and after becoming a father um i connected to saint jude much closer you know thankfully never needed saint jude um but you know with the thought of loving your children in mind um you know wanted to do something in in that you know category so you know i really enjoy working with saint jude um, and then you know everything else that you know Community Hour does, and you know feeds into Mind and Care's kids uh, PTO programs to help the schools out. You know they always need extra help, um, along with every other event that we do throughout the year uh, for whatever reason. Um, and then the things that I personally do also in Kicks and Springs, where I live, um, I think the connection to the community just makes you feel good. You know, to be involved. Uh, you get to know people. You, you make friends. You you help nourish. You help people smile. Like, all, all those aspects of, of everything that you do. And, you know, we're also kind of lucky that, you know, food's one of those things that can just make people happy. You know, yeah, it tastes good. You need it to live. Um, Breaking but, bread
0: with people is special.
1: And it, it speaks to your soul. It, it does. You know, it, it, it feeds you deep. Um, so you know, having that ability uh, is quite a blessing. And like back to cooking at home, like absolutely, I cook at home. You know, and like all jokingly say on a Sunday night, you know, you know th- th- this is one of the best meals going on in Middle Tennessee tonight. <laughs> yeah, you know, right here at our house. I mean, who else is you know enjoying you know a live fired you know steak from Southern Natural Farm or. You know, some green beans fresh out of the ground from White Squirrel Farms. and um, oh,
0: I see your stuff on Facebook or on yeah. Instagram or whatever you do doing. I'm like,
1: how far away does he live? Like, yeah. I'm
0: just going to show up at his house and be like, dude, that's some amazing-looking home cooking you've
1: got yeah. going on. And I, and I look forward to my kids getting a little older. Not really, like, trying to push time or anything, but in terms of food. Like, I look forward to saying, all right, let's go – To this restaurant and eat as a family. Sharing that with them. And, you know, try new things. Like, I'm always trying to throw some new things into the mix at home. And it's not always, you know, met with welcome. Um, You know, my kids love ice cream. And, of course, you know, they love chocolate ice cream. Well, recently when I went to the store, I bought some cookies and cream. So I'm going to switch it up a little bit. You know, Cole loved it. Timmy was not interested in the change at all. He wanted chocolate. (laughs) You know, so I'm like, all right, you know, next time I go to the grocery, I'll get some chocolate. But like, I always want to like try some new things with them and, and give them the opportunity to, to like something new and, and grow their own palate and, and, you know, educate them in food. And, you know, since Cole has been homeschooling um, or virtual learning, maybe I should say, um, I've added some different education into the mix and um, I've been teaching him how to scramble eggs really so at least three mornings a week him and i are in the kitchen and he's cracking the eggs he's mixing them seasoning with the salt and the pepper mill and um you know he turns them and moves them around and um you know he gets them to the point of almost being done and then you know he wants me to just kind of come in and like do the finishing you know steps but uh you know one thing as a parent that I really want to be involved in is, you know, the things that we would call life skills. Like, I get reading and math and history and the importance of all that. But I also want you to understand how to make a bed and brush your teeth and cook an egg. And eventually we'll take these lessons further. Um, you know, me cooking with my mom was the beginning of my profession. Yeah. You know, little did I know. You know, back then, back then I just cooked with mom because I didn't want to do my homework and I enjoyed eating. You know, so the kitchen always kind of called me and she accepted my help and taught me. And, um, you know, whether you cook for a living or not, knowing how to cook is always going to be good. You know?
0: Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I, you know, I spend a lot of time in my backyard and I, I had a bonfire pit and I've cleared this long trail and I spend all the winter months out in the woods and my oldest is out there with me. He has his own, um, I have a, I have a, a large, what's it called? A uh, ax. And, uh, he really wants to use the ax. And I said, you have to learn how to do it. And finally he showed me, exhibited the, the, the traits and the responsibility to do it. And then we bought him a hatchet. So he has his own real hatchet, right? But we have all of these safety protocols around it and he's chopped down his own tree like his little cedar tree but he chopped down the tree we needed the tree to be gone so he I mean the guy spent an hour a million hacks into the side of a tree but he cut the tree down it was this cool little moment where he saw something that I did we're out there working there's a need and he wanted to to do it because he saw me and he wanted to kind of be he earned the right to get this hatchet and it was his like the, the look of pride and this kid standing there he's got the hatchet in his hand he's got this big grin the tree's on its side and he's like look what it's just as a dad I don't know it's just one of those moments to me that was just like this is the coolest thing well, in you, the and, world and
1: you wonder if that'll be one of the things that he files I, you know because like think of the, what you remember then you know sometimes I wonder what they will remember
0: and it's important it's yeah all of that so th- thank you so much for taking the time today and am yeah. getting the high sign
1: <laughs> um,
0: I always end every episode and I say I'm open the floor to you. Whatever you want to say, whatever it is, just anything you want to say to the community, to Nashville, anybody you think might be listening. Take as long as you want. Say whatever you want to say. The floor is yours.
1: I uh, guess you know. I guess I would just like to say thank you to staff and community. Um, you know, we've we've been supported during this time. Um, it's been clear that you know people care about Lockland Table. Um, so, you know, it just, like, makes it all worth it. I remember in the first interview we had, I think you said something to me like, what pulls you out of the sheets in the morning? Um, and, you know, I would always just say that, you know, my responsibility to Laughlin Table and my home is what pulls me out of the sheets. Um, the, the, the work that I have to do at either or that day is kind of besides the point I'm going to go. I'm going to do the work. Um, but, you know, my desire to uh, just do well um, and not fail is, is, you know, something that just feeds me every day. Um, and we couldn't do it without the community. We couldn't do it without our staff. Um, I couldn't do it without Karen Floyd. Um, I would have less desire to do it without my family at home Um, you know, all these strengths um, you know, just give me the the, the power to have the desire to, you know, do as good as I can Um, so, you know everything combined is is just so helpful and uh, you know, so thankful to, you know, still be here and, and having this conversation and Having a plan for the next month. And, uh, you know, just continue working hard and, and, and being good. And, uh, you know, like I said, we'll we'll see what tomorrow brings.
0: I love it, man. A lot of gratitude. It's, it's, it's good for your soul. Yeah. It's a good thing. Thank you so much for taking the time Thank today.
1: Thank you, man. I enjoy the talk.
0: All right, brother. Hands down, one of my favorite people in the hospitality community in Nashville, Hal Holdenbeach has been a friend of mine uh, 15 years, and every time I've ever needed something, he has been just amazing, and um, three times he's been on the show, finally we got to do a big one, and I uh, hope you enjoyed that, and please go support Lachlan Table, I say support local, eat at your locally owned and operated restaurants, they are the definition So we appreciate you listening today. And uh, like I said, Jensen Cummings will be up on Thursday. And uh, we hope that you're being safe out there. Love you guys. Bye.